0: You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland.
1: So the next time you open your planner on week mode, month mode, or yearly calendar, just remember, you're not allowed to look over the Lord's shoulder to see His planner, but He is allowed to look over your shoulder and see your planner. It may be helpful in your planner to write Ephesians 1.11, God works all things after the counsel of His will,
0: not mine. How much time do you spend trying to figure out God's will? Where you'll live? What you'll do for work? who you'll marry. Pastor Tom shares from the book of James today that when we focus our attentions on those things, we will actually miss out on God's knowable will. It's actually not as hard to decipher his will as we tend to make it. We have easy access to God's will, and it's up to us to hear and obey it, and when we do, God will be well pleased with us and receive glory. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter four as he continues his message, The Pride of Presumptuous Planning.
1: Mark it down. If someone is claiming to know the will of God in detail about their lives, they are deceived and they are presumptuous. Ouch. Someone claims to have knowledge of what exactly God is going to do, they may guess it right once in a while, but they do not have a private line into the throne room of God. And God does not check His plans with us on earth before He enacts them. More spiritual Christians do not know anything more about the future of their lives than you do. Oh, if I get to be spiritual. Oh, if my prayer life increases, I'll know. No, you won't. What you'll know is you'll know how to deal with all the things that change that you wish never happened. Oh, man, I wish this wouldn't happen. Oh, I, I wish I wouldn't get pancreatic cancer. Last year I said, you're going to get pancreatic cancer. No thanks. No thanks. Give it to somebody else. I'm not ready. He doesn't ask. You just learn to deal with it. And you learn that God brings good through it. Some of you want to take a peek into God's planner. Let me just help you out with this. It's going to save you a lot of frustration. It ain't going to happen. You're not going to get to look at God's planner. Do you know even the Lord Jesus prayed in the garden? Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. What's he doing praying an unspiritual prayer like that? Because it's a very spiritual prayer. It's about submission. God doesn't want us living by sight. You ever been witnessing to someone and they won't become a Christian and you're just like, if I could just show them God and I could show them a miracle, man. Man, God, why them just do something, zap them, lightning bolt, something. Show them right here now. I know it's true. How blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's how God wants us. He wants us living by faith. Why? Because faith pleases God. Because faith means we trust God enough with what we can't see that he can lead us. By the way, dads, moms, does it it thrill you when your children trust you? Yeah. It's like when the kid doesn't know anything and he trusts you. I'm sure you'll work it out for me. You're like, wow. Of course, some of your moms faint. You got to be picked back up again. Yeah, it's true. The kid's actually going to trust you. That feels good. Why does it feel good? Because you know the kid knows that you know what you're doing and you love and, and he lo- you love him or her. That's how God is. Trust me. I've been taking care of the universe a very long time. I kind of know what I'm doing, as he says. Wow, boy. It sort of goes along with uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? In all your ways acknowledge him and he... And he, and he, he does it. Well, if God is sovereign and we're supposed to trust in him because we can't know his will, what is the point in planning? That's a good question. Because God wants you to plan the things that you're going to do that express your love for him and your love for others. And you plan it out. You say, this is what I'm going to do, Lord. This is what I want to do for you. This is how I'm going to live my life. This is how I'm going to use my money. This is my budget. So I'm going to use my time, use my calendar, and I'd like to do this, and I'd like to do that. You may have other plans, though, right, Lord? Here's what I'm thinking. My heart is in this. If you would establish it, establish it. If not, show me as it unveils what I'm supposed to do. Make it kind of clear as I'm walking forward, oh, so this is the person I'm supposed to minister to today, and this is the person I'm supposed to minister to tomorrow, et cetera remember a story of a guy who came into Dr. MacArthur's office. And he, he told the story in the context of learning the will of God. And said this, this young man came into his office and said he wanted to be a missionary in France. And so Dr. MacArthur went through, I think he has this in his book called Found God's Will. By the way, great little book, Found God's Will. And he, I think he wrote this in there and he said this guy came into the office and he asked him all the questions. He said, well, are you saved? Are you sure you have faith in Christ? Check. Are you serving God right now in your heart? Yes. Are you being sacrificial? Are you submitted to the will of God? He went through all these S words. <laughs> he probably picked up on that. And then the guy said yes to all of that, and he asked the right questions, and he said, well, then get busy. Go ahead and uh, get going and uh, make your plans and become a missionary uh, and serve the Lord in France. And so the guy went out, and the guy took Dr. MacArthur's advice, and he went, and he, um, he now is serving the Lord in uh, Quebec, Canada. French speaking. He just knew what was in his heart and what he wanted to do for the Lord. The, the details of that, the planning is, is God steering the bicycle as you're pedaling. Can't go anywhere, they say, if you don't pedal the bike, right? Sitting by the side, your foot's on the ground. Dear God, what do you want me to do? Well, start pedaling. Do something. Get doing the will of God, and I'll, I'll steer you. Can't go anywhere and just sit in there. It's exciting, really, if you think about it. You just start pedaling, you start walking, and God steers you. It's exciting. It's an adventure. It's a walk of faith. It's an adventure. It's meant to be. It's how it's supposed to be. Do you remember Isaiah 55, 8? My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Wow. So remember, James only condemns arrogant planning, which pushes God out of the picture and acts like life runs on its own or luck leads life. We are control of all things. That is the mirage of the unbeliever. We hear it every day on the news. They never bring God anywhere into the picture. The unbeliever lives in a pretend world, and they hate it when we bring reality into it. There is a God. You better be prepared for Him. They hate that. We can see reality. They can't. They live in a bubble You can ask to be able to do something, but it always has to end with those words if the Lord wills. By the way, that's why we call Him Lord. So the next time you open your planner on week mode, month mode, or yearly calendar, just remember you're not allowed to look over the Lord's shoulder to see His planner, but He is allowed to look over your shoulder and see your planner. It may be helpful in your planner to write Ephesians 1.11, God works all things after the counsel of His will, not mine. Mark that verse down. There is nothing that happens by accident. God is working all our lives out according to His predetermined plan. So, that's it for that point. James has described their plan. He's revealed its presumption. He's given them the proper attitude. Now, he's going to hit the nail on the head and pinpoint the heart of the issue. Fourth... This is the fourth stage, and that is pride rebuked in verse 16. Look at it, verse 16. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. This is a far-sweeping verse. James brings these men back to their present situation and reprimands them because the right attitude he wants them to have is not present in them yet. As it is, he says, as you've been doing... As it's been in your head, you're boasting in your arrogance. Their confident assertions about what would happen in their life apart from God, that qualifies as a boast. We have boasts. I am the master of my own destiny. You see people say that? It's like, really? I make my own luck. Take control of your life. There's whole websites on that. Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. In the cancer community, they have, I'm going to beat this disease. These are all boasts of things you can do nothing about. Frankly, kind of looks silly making those statements when you realize who's in charge. It's like Proverbs 27, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. James does not let his rebuke of pride rest there. He goes on and says, all such boasting is arrogance, is sin, is evil. All boasting like this is evil. It's not just these merchants, these businessmen that were being presumptuous Every other presumption by non-businessmen is also evil. Businessmen get picked on. They have that you can do it kind of uh, mentality. All these books about, yes, you can do it. They're presumptive. They're presumptuous. But we are too. They don't have a monopoly on it. We all can be presumptuous in the way we plan. Do you have travel plans? Just get in your car. Do you just... You just get in the train, the plane, and after you're gone, you might put, oh, we should have prayed. Accidents happen. Don't be presumptuous. Another subtle boast is when young people are like, you know what I'm going to major in? And when I graduate, I'm going to have this career. Hmm. Okay. That's a boast. You don't know that your future may change you. God can change you. God can change your desires. He can change your family. He can change your health. He can change the economy. He can change the nation. This human boasting even comes out when we pursue worthy church goals, spiritual goals. Well, how do we know when we're saying things the right way and thinking things the right way? Well, here's something that's very important. Listen carefully to this. I think this will help you a lot. When we are pursuing the commanded will of God in the present we can have confidence that the sovereign will of God will provide for us. Does that make sense? I don't have to worry about the sovereign secret will of God. If I, if I or we as a church pursue what God says to do, we work on the things He says to work on, then we know that God will provide for us. We can have confidence with that because He said He would. That's where Romans 8.28 comes in. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, not to those who don't love God. doesn't work together for good to those who don't love God. That's the warning. Churches that are obedient in the present to worship correctly, evangelize properly, get God's words out, disciple its people, they can be confident of God's supply. If they do it in a reliant way, that is, on their knees in prayer. I believe that as a church is truly submitted to the sovereign leadership of Christ, truly humbled before His Lordship, really relying upon Him as the shepherd of the church, then that church will be a persistent, praying church. Would you agree? Would you agree? Then why don't you make it out to prayer meeting? And for those of you you that do, thank you. We will be a persistent, praying church when we're really thinking in our minds, if the Lord wills, because we'll be asking him together. Lord, if you're willing, we ask you to accomplish these things among us. And then we go forward in faith and watch how God guides us. After all, that is how our Lord Jesus himself prayed, Father, if you are willing, let this cup pass from me. Lastly, the last stage... Principle number five here, or stage number five, that he provides a principle of humility for us to live by, and that's in verse 17. And this is kind of how he wraps it all up. Therefore, you can see he's wrapping it up. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. What a fascinating verse, isn't it? To the one who knows the right thing to do and chooses not to do it, does not do it, then to him That is sin. So James is saying, based upon what I've taught you in verses 13 through 16, here's the principle I want you to live by. There it is. He's telling all of his readers, not just the businessmen, now that you've been fully instructed, now that your conscience has been informed and you've been warned, it's a principle tied to presumption. God is relevant to all of your life. We best not push him aside, but it's meant to be even broader than that for all of life. It's a powerful verse of accountability to us in any area of our lives. If you know the right thing to do, if you've been taught from the Bible and you know the right thing to do, and then you don't do it, that's sin. That's a great maxim. It's a great adage. It's a nice thing to put on a plaque and have around a house to just remind you. Ponder it. Sin is not just the bad things that you do. I think most of our sins are sins of things we fail to do. You know how people say, I'm not such a bad guy. I've never murdered anybody. I didn't commit adultery, you know. I'm not a terrorist. I should be a shoe in for heaven, right? But, but what about all the things you didn't do? Well, like, like what? They don't even know. They don't even want to know. It's a powerful, powerful verse, really. There are sins of commission. There are things that we commit that are wrong. We're sinfully angry. We lust when we shouldn't lust. We're covetous when we go and buy something we shouldn't buy. But there's also sins of omission. We, we don't show up. We don't help. We don't love. We withdraw. Right? There are going to be more of those sins. Says so right here. If we know the right thing to do and don't do it, it's sin. The sin of omission. If you don't defend the defenseless, that's sin. If you withhold thanksgiving from God, that's sin. If you don't help the person in need and just pass on by and say, you know what, not my problem. If you fail to believe God when He gives you the opportunity to do something, it's sin. There are ways that we are inactive when we're supposed to be active. There are times when we're unconcerned when we're supposed to be concerned. There are times when we're uninvolved when we're supposed to be involved. Young people, that goes for you too. They'll wait 10 years until you get older and say, oh, maybe now I'll get involved in church. I'm grateful for the youth ministry and the parents working along with the youth, to help them learn that early. Get busy serving the Lord. One of the greatest examples of the sin of omission in the Bible is the very famous parable of the Good Samaritan, right? One religious guy comes by, sees the guy that's beat up, bleeding. Not my problem. I got to get to a religious meeting. You know, so I got more important things to do than to help this guy. Another guy comes by, same thing. Step over the body. Poor fella. I'll say a prayer for him. There's no Trinity back then. No doctrine of the Trinity back then among the Pharisees. But you could just see a priest doing that or a pastor like me just walking past somebody. It's like, it's not my problem. I got more important things to do. I don't want to get my fingers dirty. Religious people can be very guilty of that. And that's what Jesus was trying to say. Pharisees back then, priests and pastors today. And then the Samaritan stops, cleans the guy up, puts him on the, what was it, a donkey? Brings them to the inn, pays the innkeeper, takes care of the problem. See? There it is. There it is. That's how to live. These sins of omission are hard to spot in ourselves. It's easy when you do something bad. You're like, oh, man, I did something bad. It's so hard to just say, well, it's just... I heard, you know, talking about the need for children, but it's not me. I hear about the evangelism opportunity, but it's not me. Yeah, I know, I should probably be reading my Bible, but I'm kind of tired this morning. Liberty Bible Commentary says it is easier to detect wrong than the absence of right. I haven't done anything wrong. You can't hide behind that. Sitting around your house, sitting around your room, sitting around the office, and not being involved in the lives of other people, especially in God's church, a sin. A father who neglects to spend time with his family can hardly be said to be doing the will of God. Society is filled with the sin of omission. By the way, at the end of the tribulation time, you know, the, uh, the goats get chucked off on the left side because... And they're like, Lord, uh, when did we see you hungry and naked and, you know... And not feed you and visit you in prison and all that stuff. And he says, Well, you didn't do it for these, the least of mine, so you didn't do it for me. It was all sins of omission. You didn't visit those that were sick, you didn't visit those that were in prison. You didn't you didn't just didn't do anything. Jesus taught a whole parable on this. You had all these gifts and talents and you buried them because you wanted to give them back to the master when he came, said you didn't use them. It's a sin of omission. The world outside the church is filled with Pharisees. You know, Pharisees are not just in the church. There are a lot of Pharisees outside the church. They're like, well, you know, I give to charity, and I do this, and I do that. It's all these little things that they do, all these little tiny little things that they do. And they miss the big things God has told them to do. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Jesus said, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin. Very good. All the little herbs around it, you know, scraping it off. There's a tithe right there. See, that? that's 10% of what I got. And you neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others, Jesus said. Sometimes you may be wondering, am I sinning or am I not? Here's a way to know. Do you know that you ought to be serving your family with acts of kindness than to sit around and let others do the chores is sin? Do you know that you should be encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ as they faithfully serve in the body Then. Your lack of showing up at the meeting is sin. You're sleeping in, not encouraging other people. Do you know that you should speak to that person about Christ at work, but you're too timid? Your silence is sin. Do you know that you should open up your home for hospitality? Yeah, but I want a clean home, and I like taking a nap in the afternoon. It's sin. I'm not saying every single time, but if that's your habit, you just don't want to use your home. 1 John 3, 14, we know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brother, and he who does not love abides in death. You're doing nothing. You're not loving. Do you know that you should uh, study your Bible more and get your Bible lesson ready for Sunday school class or for small group? But you don't do it. You don't do it. You you play your game, and you didn't do it. See, is it sin to play the game? If you're supposed to be reading your Bible, yeah. It becomes a sin. It's not a sin in and of itself. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Do you do that? Do you know that you should be giving your life to Jesus Christ today? Do you know that he is Lord and that He holds your eternity in His hands. Do you know that He died on a cross for you, that He rose from the dead to save you, and that He's waiting for you to believe in Him and to turn from your sin? Do you know that? If you know that and you do not believe today, every single day you delay, you are sinning against God. Because He said, believe in my Son. Put your faith in my Son. See, too many people spend all this time trying to figure out the secret sovereign will of God trying to use this trick or this feeling or this mystical thing or this technique, you can buy books about the different ways you can figure out God's will. Oh, my. To try to figure out precisely what house God wants them to live in and which car to buy. And they've been given the will of God right in front of them, and they don't want to do it. In the Bible, they neglect the revealed will of God, worrying about the secret will of God. Too many churches are the same, neglecting the mission that the church has been told to do. Build the church, make disciples, support the missionaries, worship the Lord, spread the word. If you want your life, our church, steered properly by God, get busy doing the right thing now, and you will see how God guides you. Live today in light of eternity. Leave the results and the future. God. Martin Luther is quoted as saying, there are two days in my calendar, this day and that day. He meant today and judgment day because I cannot live in the past and I cannot live in the future. I can only live today and I need to make every decision I make today in light of that day when I stand before the Lord and give an account for today. Very good advice This is the wisest way for created and accountable beings like you and me to live. May you and I be found at our Lord's feet every day, submitting our plans to Him because we trust in His Lordship over all. May we be willing to live by the motto, Deo Volenti, God willing, for the Heavenly Father knows best. He really does.
0: How are you doing with Pastor Tom's test to discover whether or not you're acting in sin? It's definitely been challenging to take a good look at the way I live life in reference to the revealed will of God found in Scripture. It's convicting how much time I spend looking and praying about the future and plans I want to make when I often miss blatant statements of His will, like loving my neighbor. With sad, yet hope-filled hearts. We want to let you know that Pastor Tom Leak, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit HopeBible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. Do you struggle with envy? Maybe you know someone who seems to always find success or someone who you feel is just a few rungs higher than you, whether with money or power or fame or some other desirable trait. Well, next time, Pastor Tom will tell us that there are some dangerous things that come with being rich and powerful, and that there is something far more important than riches that we should desire. To listen again to today's message in the book of James, visit HopeBibleChurch.org and look under the Sermons tab. Pastor Tom will return soon with another in-depth study of God's Word, so join us again right here on Discover Hope.